I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. My name is Andrew Downs here with you on a Monday afternoon coming off a big, big week in Hawkeye athletics on a lot of different levels. Didn't have a chance to do an instant reaction podcast after the basketball game against Rutgers on Sunday morning, early afternoon. Uh, So wanted to come back on here on on a Monday and kind of uh, lay out what we've seen over the last week or so and, and kind of set up things. As we move forward, we'll start right there with men's basketball. We'll move on to some uh, some football stuff and transfer Kirk Portal Kirk uh, and and the uh, the off season with the football team. Some women's basketball as uh, the Iowa women had a huge win over the weekend. Now back into the top twelve of the AP poll, and uh, we'll finish off with just a little bit of wrestling. Not going to go too in depth in wrestling, but I have a feeling a lot of people saw Spencer Lee uh, maybe for the first time this season. Uh, the other day, as soon as the the men's basketball game was over on BTN, and uh, and that was a heck of a lot of fun. But we will start with that seventy six to sixty five wire to wire win at Rutgers, and just what a huge, huge game! What a huge week uh, for this Iowa men's basketball team, coming off a three game losing streak, losing Patrick McCaffrey uh, for an indefinite amount of time, and the first ten minutes of that Indiana game, as I talked about in the Instant Reaction podcast last Thursday night. It really felt like you know it was time to start looking ahead to uh, to next season and, and putting a wraps on this season and you know hanging on for dear life and hoping things didn't spiral out of control. And now we sit now here we sit just a few days later, and everything's back on the table for this team. Uh, they they look like a completely different team, and your outlook for uh, moving forward it just feels a lot different, feels a lot better, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, obviously getting two nice wins over good Big Ten teams, uh, top 15 Indiana team at the time, and now a Rutgers win on the road, a place where it's really hard to play against a good defensive team in Rutgers. And, uh, and, and the way Iowa played both in the second half against Indiana and really the entire game against Rutgers uh, gives you a lot of confidence moving forward. It also tells you this team hasn't quit. They, they believe in themselves. They weren't spiraling. Fran McCaffrey hasn't lost this team. Uh, they're ready to come back. You got to pick up two quad one wins in a matter of you know three days. That's a fantastic run at any point of any season, but certainly coming off those three bad losses, really two real bad losses. That Penn State game looked worse uh, than it was probably because of, of how bad it, it started. But um, you know, metrically, Iowa is now coming back. They've made up most of the ground that they lost with that Eastern Illinois loss. Uh, and and while nothing is uh, certain at this point moving forward, you, you certainly feel a lot better about things as we move through it. A big reason for that is is Peyton Sanford, and he's uh, he's the talk of the game uh, at Rutgers. It was the Peyton Sanford game. You knew when Patrick McCaffrey stepped away uh, that, that Peyton Sanford was going to have to be one of the guys to pick up 
the slack and 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 pick up his game. I mean, he had had such a tough start to the season, started in such a slump, and over and over you heard Fran McCaffrey say, "Hey, we still have confidence in him. He's still got the ultimate green light. Uh, we still believe that he's going to be able to shoot himself out of this slump and and become an asset to this team." But as we got into December and now into January, it really started to feel like maybe this isn't going to happen. Maybe he didn't make. Uh, the kind of jumps that they talked about seeing in the offseason. Maybe he's not going to be a key piece to this team. And if he's not, what does that mean? Because Iowa, I think most Iowa fans were relying on Peyton Sanford to be closer to what we saw Sunday afternoon uh, than he had been all season long. I don't think you can expect 22 points, 4 of 5 from 3, 6 of 8 from the field in 22 minutes, 6 of 7 from the line, 5 rebounds, an assist, to steal, a block from Peyton Sanford every night. That's what you got from him in New Jersey on Sunday. But if you can get more of a consistent production out of him, uh, like you saw in that Indiana game where he didn't light up the scoreboard, but he made key plays. He hit a couple of big shots. And uh, and and he is one of the guys who can fill up the stat sheet a little bit in every area. When he's playing well, he can be a guy who gets five rebounds and has a couple of assists and a steal or two, a block. Uh, he he can play bigger than, than he seems. And so uh, to, to have him... Step up in that game on the road and really take things over in the second half there when he needed to was just huge. He had some key shots, some huge shots. Um, he he was joined by Chris Murray, who is you know as consistent as they come. Seventeen points, seven rebounds, two steals, and a block for Chris. Uh, Philip Robracha had a nice game as well. Sixteen points, twelve rebounds. He is just the. I'm not sure anybody has jumped. I mean, Chris Murray has obviously made a, a ridiculous jump, but we had seen it with Keegan a, a year ago, and so maybe it's less surprising uh, that Chris has done what he's done than it is that Philip has done what he has done because Philip came to the program as a fourth-year player, and we saw what he was last year, and that was a, a good, not great Big Ten player. That was a serviceable Big Ten big man. Uh, and I thought, and I think a lot of people joined me in this thinking, that he had kind of hit his ceiling and understandably so. Again, he had played four years in college. It didn't seem like a guy was going to drastically change uh, what he was in his fifth season. And yet here we are halfway through the season, and he's one of Iowa's biggest assets. He's probably Iowa's second best player uh, behind Chris Murray. And he has come up in huge in so many games and, and has really held his own as a big man. He's um, I don't know what he's averaging, but it's got to be close to double-digit rebounds. Uh, he's he's just he's playing so well. Six and nine from the free throw line that was big uh, yesterday at Rutgers. Just five of twelve from the field was was Phillip. But again, sixteen points, twelve rebounds, a couple of assists, three blocks. Uh, he is just he's taken his game to another level, and that's been a lot of fun to see. What was less fun to see was was the guard play uh, for the most part um, on Sunday. They you know, Tony Perkins two of ten from the field. Five points. He had a couple of assists, a couple of steals. He had a block. Played twenty-eight minutes. Uh, just one of five from three-point land. Uh, you just he's he's been a little off. He hasn't been as consistent. Now, energy-wise, he's there, and, and defensively, he can be there. And he's been playing very well at times. Uh, he's just he. Uh, we need a little more consistency out of Tony Perkins if uh, this is a team that's going to make a run in the Big Ten season uh, or in March. Aaron Eulis. Eight points, hit a couple of threes. That was really fun to see. Uh, three assists from him, five rebounds, uh, but did have four turnovers against a 
a good Rutgers team that forces a lot of turnovers. Uh, Desante Bowen, you know, looked he had a really nice move with his two points, but had a couple of turnovers. And again, in the, in the four minutes he was out there, at times the game looked a little too fast for him. Uh, you got Dix and Kingsbury in the game. You're going to see a little bit more of those guys, likely, especially with the foul trouble that Iowa had. A couple of guys got two fouls in the first half and, and had to sit down. Uh, the name I haven't mentioned yet who played, uh, Connor McCaffrey, who started in place for his brother again. He had six points. He had eight assists, a steal for Connor McCaffrey. Uh, didn't shoot a free throw, just two of six from the field. Both three or all three pointers that he took hit both or two of those. And uh, But again, the eight assists was huge and just such a smart player. Um, again, the stats don't ever really tell the full story for Connor McCaffrey. Uh, so overall, just a really good game. They came out like they hadn't in the last few games. They came out strong. They came out fast. Uh, they they put it on Rutgers right away. They dictated tempo. The 42 points Iowa had in the first half is the most points Rutgers has given up to anybody in any half all season. I think I saw that this was the first time in five years that a team came into the rack and led wire to wire. Really, the game was never all that close. Rutgers got it to within six a couple of times, I think, in the second half. But uh, and and you know you got a little worried there. I'm sure many of you did, as I did. Your 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 stomach started not up a little bit. But for the most part, the game was never really in question. And so, uh, you know, you just feel good about a win like that. You have to feel good about a win like that. And now you come home and and you got you got a little run here going. Uh, let's go through just a, a few of the team stats against Rutgers. And the, the turnover number is the one that jumps out at you right away. 15 turnovers for Iowa, again, way higher than than you'd like to see. It's uncharacteristic. But against a Rutgers team that forces turnovers uh, better than anybody else in the Big Ten, um, you, you live with that. Iowa did force 12 turnovers, so you felt pretty good about that. Iowa shot just 44% from the field but held Rutgers to 38%. A 44% from three-point line was Iowa. Rutgers just 27%. Iowa from the line, 14 and 19. That was good enough to win. 38 rebounds to 36 for Rutgers. Out-rebounding Rutgers uh, on their court is a huge, huge thing. That that was such, again, uh, credit to Philip Robracha and what he has done down low and um, and just kind of how well he played. And, and Chris Murray was seven of those rebounds as well. Aaron Euless had five rebounds. Tony Perkins had seven rebounds. So Iowa and then Peyton Sanford with five. So uh, Iowa had five players who uh, each had five or more rebounds, led by Philip Robracha's 12 and uh, the, the team rebounding was uh, was really, really key. I mentioned Patrick McCaffrey a couple of times. He's been with the team uh, on the sideline. You see him, you've seen him there cheering, ready to go. Uh, he did send a tweet out earlier this afternoon for the first time uh, in a long time and over a month since he has been on Twitter. Um, he said this, I've been off Twitter but wanted to come back and just thank everybody for their support. It means the world to my family and I. I'm taking this time to find peace and we'll be back on my court, on the court with my brothers when I'm ready. By the way, Hawks are hot. A couple of fire emojis from Patrick. And he's exactly right. And, you know, anxiety uh, that, that Patrick is dealing with isn't always or, or even often it isn't rational or logical. And so I, I don't want to put like a, a logical or rational thing on it. Uh, when that may not be what he's going through. And I don't know, Patrick, I don't know what he's going through or, or, or how these things affect him. Uh, but I have to imagine that seeing the team play as well as they have uh, and get a couple of wins eases at least the fear that you are uh, hurting the team in some way by stepping away, right? Uh, it may not make 
uh, all of the problems in your life go away. It, it may have nothing to do with the anxiety that he is feeling or the, the issues he's dealing with uh, with mental health. But at the very least, it has to eliminate some of that. Uh oh, what if I, you know, what if it's my fault that this this season goes down the drain? Or, you know, what if these guys blame me or, or people blame me for uh, something bad happening on the court or with this team or with this program? At the very least, I feel like some of that pressure has been eased based on how Iowa has played. And now you've got a Peyton Sanford who, again, I don't expect 22 points a night, but if he can get a little more consistent, if he can, uh, if he can get a little more confidence and if he's playing like this and then you get a healthy Patrick McCaffrey back and a rejuvenated, ready to go Patrick McCaffrey added to this roster, uh, that could really elevate this team to, to another level and maybe have us talking like, like we were talking after that Iowa state game, you know, a month ago where it really felt like everything was on the table for Iowa and, and that they were playing really, really well. Suffered that three-game losing streak, and that was tough. But now you've got a two-game winning streak over a couple of teams. I mean, I think going into this last week, you would have thought, if Iowa can split these two games, you feel pretty good about it. Well, you got the double win, and now you go into a three-game homestand. Thursday against Michigan, Sunday against Maryland, next Wednesday against Northwestern. Uh, Now that Northwestern game looks more difficult than it may have at the start of the season. The Michigan game probably looks a little easier than it did at the start of the season. Uh, Then you got a couple of road games that are going to be tough at Ohio State at Michigan State before coming home at the end of January against Rutgers uh, in the rematch of that game. But you have to like Iowa's chances now to at least run uh, run themselves to a a positive Big Ten record, Uh, sitting at two and three right now in the conference. And uh, and according to Ken Palm, uh, Iowa is projected to win. Uh, each of the next three games. Uh, Ken Palm, who does this analytically, uh, and you can kind of guess what the Vegas lines will be based on his projections of these games. Uh, he's got Iowa beating Michigan 80-76, to Iowa beating Maryland 76-73, and Iowa beating Northwestern 73-68. If I was able to run this to a five-game win streak, which is what it would be if Iowa wins these next three, and all of a sudden you're 5-3 and three in the Big Ten going to Ohio State, you just feel a whole lot better about everything. Um, and so we'll kind of see where this goes. It's going to be a roller coaster season as it uh, seemingly always is. Uh, but you feel a heck of a lot better about this team, about this program, about this season, and where things are headed than you did uh, just a couple of days ago. And and that's a uh, that's a, a really good place to be overall. Uh, a, a good place to be overall is is a Hawkeye fan and and at Hawkeye Nation where you can find a. Uh, Find all of our coverage, including a lot of football news over the last couple of weeks, and we'll get to some of that in just a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Portal Kirk strikes again this weekend. A couple of guys came into Iowa, announced their decisions to come to Iowa, whether it be as preferred walk-ons or uh, if they flip a transfer offensive lineman like Dejon Parker from Virginia. Uh, it's just been an interesting kind of few weeks for Iowa football coming out of the, the bowl win. Some of the announcements of guys who are leaving, some of the announcements of guys who are coming back. Um, 
And you know, we're still waiting for the 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 kind of other shoe to drop, the big news. I see it. I'm sure you do too if you're on Twitter. Every time somebody uh, posts anything positive about Iowa football, uh, there are immediate replies, and understandably so, that none of this matters unless a, a change is made uh, with the offensive coaching staff. I tend to agree with that, but also like I've preached for a long time here and will continue to do so, uh, you need to let this process play out. The NFL season ended yesterday. If Brian Ferentz is going to get an NFL job, uh, that should happen sometime relatively soon, but uh, things weren't going to change before that. Kirk's not going to just out and out fire his son, I don't think. And so, you know, we, we just have to be a little patient with those changes. But short of that, and I, and I, I do still think that's coming. I, I think that uh, it'd be very, very hard to justify not making a change. And I think you Kirk is smart enough to, to kind of see the writing on the wall, to understand the the tenor of this fan base. But more so than that, just understand the 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 position he's in and his program is in, which is uh, has one of the best defenses in the country, and it, it seems like that's going to just be the case again next year, has a great special teams and a great special teams coordinator and, and a, a system that's just rolling there. And the, the piece that's missing is an offense. And so uh, I don't know that – I don't know that Kirk, even as kind of stubborn as he can be, even as kind of uh, beyond question, beyond reproach uh, that he is in Iowa City and within that athletic department, I don't think even he is uh, ballsy enough to try to come out and sell that this offense doesn't need drastic change, Uh, that just changing players and just adding a Cade McNamara and an Eric Hall and an offensive tackle and a tight end uh, is enough to kind of not again, not just satisfy the fan base or get people excited to, to sell out Kinnick Stadium again, but to win games, to compete for a Big Ten championship, to uh, compete for a, a spot in a college football playoff or a high major or a, you know, a, a New Year's Six or whatever we call them bowl game at this point, to put yourself in a position to be, uh, to be attractive to recruits, to transfers. Uh, to to get donors, whether it be you know average Joes like you and me or big money people to to invest in the swarm nil and and to really help elevate this program to another level, and so when will those changes happen? I don't know. Uh, I expect them to happen. I'm not going to bang my head against the wall uh, waiting for them to happen because I just you just don't know. But the things that we do know, we know for a fact that. Kirk Ferentz and Iowa have embraced the NIL and the Swarm Collective. We know for a fact that Kirk Ferentz and Iowa football have embraced the transfer portal. I would argue that Iowa has been one of the winners of the transfer portal uh, so far this year. Yes, we've lost some guys. Yes, we've lost some some key guys. Uh, But we brought in so much, and that continues to happen. Iowa is still a place uh, culturally and within... I mean, wins enough games, has enough success uh, to be an attractive place for people to come. And so when you see Dejon Parker flip his commitment in the transfer portal to come to Iowa to play offensive tackle and and likely start, that's great. When you see guys like Noah Shannon uh, deciding to come back for a sixth year, uh, Noah Shannon and Joe Evans both announced they're going to come back 
for a sixth year. That's a huge bolster to a, a defensive line that lost Lucas Van Ness to the NFL draft. Um, and how cool is it for Lucas Van Ness, who plays really two seasons at Iowa and is now a projected, you know, late first round, early second round NFL draft pick. Good for him. But to have Joe Evans and Noah Shannon come back is is a boost there as well. Um, you've had a few of the 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 walk-ons. Um, what's the uh, the the kid's name? Filer, Jackson Filer. He was the NC, the uh, National JUCO Defensive Player of the Year. He's coming to Iowa as a preferred walk-on. Uh, you've got Hayden Large, a tight end who just has a great Hawkeye name, uh, coming to Iowa as a uh, as a walk-on. And so there are, and then there there's obviously still more out there to be done. There are still more players uh, to be to to be brought in. Uh, there there are still pieces that Iowa needs to to fit in to to be a better offense. And obviously the the biggest piece is that coaching staff and that question mark of who is going to lead this offense moving forward and, and maybe more importantly, how much say will they have in what this offense becomes moving forward. You hope that there is new blood. Um the 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 quarterback that committed out of from Wisconsin, uh out of Wisconsin, I think he's from California originally, that probably Adds a little smoke, more smoke to the the thought that John Budmeyer, who was at Wisconsin with him and was an Iowa offensive analyst last season, uh, will move into a, a more substantial role, be that quarterbacks coach or something like that. I doubt it's offensive coordinator, but you never know. Um, and and then again, the the pieces that will Kirk Ferentz allow whoever this is or who who whoever ultimately comes in and is quarterback's coach, is offensive coordinator, will he will he allow them to to play with his offense? Will he allow them to do what they need to do, what they want to do, to change Iowa's offense, to modernize Iowa's offense and to bring it into this century? Those are the two pieces that have to happen. I mean there there's like a it's a there there are multiple things that are happening here. Iowa has hit its mark on some of these things. Player acquisition, that sort of a thing. You need to change the coaching staff, and then you need to allow the guys you bring in to actually change the offense. And will that happen? I don't know. Um, if I were to bet on it, I'd say probably not. You know, I, I have a feeling no matter who the offensive coordinator is next year, Iowa's offense will look a, a lot like it's looked, at least scheme-wise, over the last 23 seasons. But with better players, we've seen Iowa and this offense have a lot of success. And so are these players enough? Is the change going to be enough? What is that change going to be? Those are all good questions and they'll all be answered in time. Uh, but I think things are are good in the Iowa football program right now. And, uh, and you hope that they're able to just kind of make the last couple of changes they need to make, the biggest changes that they need to make uh, in order to kind of revitalize everybody's full-on excitement heading into next season. couple more minutes here. We definitely wanted to hit on the, on the Iowa women's basketball team who had a huge 94 to 85 road win over Michigan on Saturday, uh, 14th ranked Michigan at the time. I'm not sure how far they fell after that loss uh, to Iowa. They just fell three spots there. Their 17th Iowa went up four spots uh, to number 12 in the, the AP poll that was released earlier today. And, uh, and, and while Caitlin Clark certainly led the way as she almost always does with 28 points, eight rebounds, three assists, 
Uh, she was not alone, far from it. To have Monica Sonano put up 19 points, to have McKenna Warnock have 14 points, Kate Martin, Martin with 10 points. Um, it's just they've, you know, Hannah Stuckey with nine points. Um, and just a, a really good, dominant road win over a good Michigan team. And uh, these are the kind of wins that I was going to have to just start kind of racking up as as the season goes along. Um, they they seem like they're hitting their stride a little bit. They lost that game to Illinois, but had won six in a row before that. Now you've got uh, Wednesday night home against Northwestern, Saturday home against Penn State. Then you're at Michigan State before you travel to third-ranked Ohio State on Monday the 23rd. And so, you know, in, in the Big Ten, some big opportunities with you know, three top 10 teams in Ohio State, Indiana, and Maryland. And you still have two games against Indiana, two games against Maryland, and a game against Ohio State. So a lot of opportunity here for Iowa women's basketball. And, uh, and you know, the as I said in, in my uh, kind of New Year's resolution podcast a couple of weeks ago, the, the bar is as high as it goes for Iowa women's basketball. It is set at a Final Four. It is set based on what they did last year as, at winning uh, both Big Ten championships. And so uh, will Iowa ultimately reach those goals and, and hit those heights? I don't know. It'll be yet to be seen. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun to watch, and, and hopefully you know the crowds will still be there, continue to show up, and uh, and you know Caitlin Clark and others will continue to help lead Iowa into into another great season. And man, they've really got things rolling. Lisa Bluter's doing a great job. Jan Jensen, their whole staff, doing a great job there. Uh, last thing, just wanted to hit quickly on on wrestling, where Iowa had a, a dominant thirty-seven to six win over Purdue uh, on Sunday afternoon uh, in, at Purdue. That game or that that duel was on Big Ten Network as soon as the the basketball game was over. So I think a lot of people probably just kept it on. And certainly, hopefully, you kept it on long enough to see Spencer Lee, and not long enough to see not just long enough to see him get tossed to his back and trail in that uh, in that match as early as he did. But then to have the to to pin the guy within the first period, like it's one thing to to get thrown the way he did and then come back and win the match. It's one thing to even get thrown the way he did and come back and pin somebody in another period, but to have that kind of a start and then have this thing over before it got to a second period was was just incredible. Spencer Lee uh, is something else, and if if you, even if you're not a wrestling fan, that's something to appreciate. And now you've got a, a few a few meets uh, home against Northwestern on Friday, the following Friday home against Nebraska. Then you're at. Uh, at Wisconsin the Sunday after that, and then Friday the 27th at Penn State, and that's uh, the one that everybody in the country has circled on their calendars uh, because those are the, the two best wrestling programs in the country right now. And so things rolling for Iowa wrestling, and again, much like the women, uh, the bar has been set to a level that, you know, it's really national championship or bust. And hopefully Spencer gets his fourth and can kind of ride off into the sunset and uh, and you know Tom Brands has this thing ready to go for years to come. I'm about to have a sneezing fit, so I'm going to call it a day right there. I do appreciate you listening. Check out all of our coverage of all of uh, all of these sports and even more going on at HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, Rob Howe, Rick Brown. Rick Brown has a, a really cool thing on uh, the you know the 40 year history of Carver Hawkeye Arena. Rob Howe, John Bonacamp, and uh, and I will continue to do podcasts. 
when I can and when they are warranted. Hopefully another big win Thursday night for the Iowa men uh, home against Michigan. Would be really nice to kind of see this team uh, continue this run and and you know play well as they have uh, the last couple of games. Thank you so much for listening and go Hawks. <laughs>